Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Brethren, let's begin in 1 Corinthians 16. First Corinthians 16, and begin in verse 5. This is uh, Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, writing to the church in Corinth. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. And we're going through in our Bible study the book of Philippians, which was in Macedonia. Uh, so the church in Philippi, as well as... Um, if I'm not mistaken, Thessalonica. And perhaps I will stay with you, and the Bereans as well, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I go. I do not want to see you now just in passing. So he doesn't want to see the Corinth church now just in passing. For I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. So he really wanted to visit with Corinth for a while. But I will stay in Ephesus. Notice this. This is the Apostle Paul. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. He's not the apostle to the Jews. He's the apostle to the Gentiles. I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. So here this apostle to the Gentiles clearly observes the day of Pentecost. For a wide door for effective work is open to me, and there are many adversaries. So contrary to popular belief in the Christian world, the early church kept God's holy days. They did not keep Easter and Christmas and Valentine's Day. They kept God's holy days. And you can see here how the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles organizes his travel schedule around God's holy days. This day of Pentecost, we have already begun counting towards. Deacon Jan mentioned in the opening that this is week one of a seven-week count to the day of Pentecost. The word Pentecost is Greek, and it means the 50th day. The Hebrews called it the Feast of Weeks, because we count seven weeks to this feast. It was also known as the Feast of First Fruits. And so what I want to do in the sermonette today is explain what this feast day is and why it's important to us as Christians. Let's go to Leviticus 23 where God tells us when to observe this special feast day. This day is unique in the sense of all of God's feast days. He gives us specific times in the first month, on the 14th day, in the seventh month, on the 10th day. He tells us exactly when we should observe these feasts. This particular feast day must be calculated. So we must first find a certain day of the week, and once we've found that day, then we can calculate when Pentecost is. And we see that in verse 15 of Leviticus 23. It says this, And you shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, or the the omer, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. So what this is saying is, we have the Passover on the 14th day. 
on the 15th day of the first month, we have the night to be much observed. And I want to go on record as saying these are two separate dates. They're not one and the same. I think there's some confusion to say that the night to be much observed is just a different phrase for the Passover. That's not what the Bible says. There's the Passover. The next night, the 15th, is the night to be much observed. Then what this is saying is, seven days we keep unleavened bread, and the Sabbath that falls during the days of unleavened bread, when you find that Sabbath, the day after is the Omer. That is when the priests would make a special offering to bless the spring harvest. From that day, we count 50 days, and we come to really the end of the harvest season. So there's a first fruits offering on this day, the day after the Sabbath, during the days of unleavened bread, and then 50 days later, there's another offering. Both of these are first fruits. It's the, really the first fruits harvest. It's the, the bookends of the spring harvest. The beginning of the harvest, they make this wave sheaf offering so that the harvest will be blessed by God. And then at the end of the harvest, there's another offering 50 days later. So even unto the morrow, after the seventh Sabbath, shall you number 50 days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So this is, we're recognizing the Feast of First Fruits. So in Palestine, there were two harvests. There would be a spring harvest. There would also be a fall harvest. The fall harvest would be big, a very abundant harvest. The spring harvest was much smaller. And God is using these two harvests to picture what he's doing with mankind. So the Passover, Christ is our, is our sacrifice. He is our Passover. The days of unleavened bread show our repentance and our acknowledgement that we have broken God's law and our desire to obey God's law. But then we need the Holy Spirit to really enable us, to give us the power to keep that law. And the day of Pentecost is recognizing our receipt of the Holy Spirit. We are first fruits. We're not better than anybody else. There are 7 billion people on this planet. There are probably as many, if not more, in the grave. We're not better than any of these people. We're just first fruits. We are a spring harvest. The scripture says, no man, nobody, it is impossible for anybody to come to Christ, John 6:44, unless the Father draws him. So God has a plan. And he has carefully selected everybody here and elsewhere to be a part of this plan, to be educated in the ways of God. Why? Because there's a fall harvest when he's going to harvest all of mankind. But we're talking about, what, 14 billion people that are going to be resurrected and need to be educated. And God needs teachers. And that's what the Feast of Pentecost pictures that God is making a small harvest now. And, and we can't convince people that what we say of the scripture is true. All we can do is make it plain. All we can do is teach it. And if God is calling you, it'll make sense to you. And you'll have a desire for it. But we can't do that. So we're not out to convince anybody. We're just here to teach and to learn because the real harvest is in the fall when mankind 
will be brought to life and will need educators. And so God is teaching us now so that we can teach them then. Let's see this in 1 Corinthians 15. First Corinthians 15, and let's break in at verse 19, where the Apostle Paul says this to Corinth, the church in Corinth, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. This is a sad state of affairs. You know, people think Christianity is health and wealth. Come into Christ, and we can skip through the garden and hold hands and sing, and everything's going to be so nice and, and lovely. That's not Christianity. Christianity is sacrifice. Christianity is hard. Yes, we are blessed, and there's an inner joy. There's a deep inner joy that we have. But we're not looking for everything to go our way and just go sailing through the sunset. The apostles were martyred for this. So if in this life, this is all there is, all the sacrifice that we have to go through, the hardness, we are soldiers. If this is all it is, we are all men to be pitied. So God is not out trying to bring everybody into this way of suffering. There's an element of suffering which is necessary for Christianity. So we're not trying to get 7 billion people to come into this way of suffering. We need a handful who are willing to sacrifice, willing to grow, willing to learn at any cost, even, their, even our lives, so that we can harvest the, the fall, bring the fall harvest in. So if in this life, this is all there is, uh, we are to be pitied. But in fact, here's the fact, it's not just this life. Christ has been raised, raised from the dead. The resurrection is real. Jesus Christ was dead. He was in the grave three days, three nights. And then, boom, he came back to life. That's a fact. He is the first, notice this, he's the wave sheaf offering, the omer. He's the first fruits of those who have died. So there's a first fruits offering, and then from there there's 50 days later, and then there's the second first fruits harvest. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. This life is not all there is. We're not striving for all the joy of this life. In fact, we will give up everything in this life because we're striving for the next age. When the saints, Abraham, Noah, Moses, they'll all be resurrected and we'll all be together. And we'll bring in the fall harvest. That's what we're striving for. For as in Adam, for as all die in Adam, so all, the same all, the same all, the same all will die in Adam, all human beings die, the very same all will be made alive in Christ. Everybody. But, there's a but, there's a condition here. It's not that everybody dies in Christ. Oh, sorry, everybody dies in Adam, and everybody is alive in Christ. It's not so. There's a condition. It's true, but there's a but. And here's the but. Each in his own order. God does things in an order. Each in his own order. 
Christ, the first fruits, we saw that, he's the wave sheaf offering, he's the omer, he's the beginning of the spring harvest, to bless the harvest. Then, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. That's us. When he returns, that's the first fruits harvest. Let's look at this in James 1. So the, the first fruits harvest has two bookends. There's the Omer, the wave sheaf at the beginning, and the, har- the, the, the Pentecost harvest at the end, 50 days later. So there's Christ, up, resurrected from the dead, and when he returns, we are resurrected, or changed. And that's the spring harvest. James 1, 18. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So in the exercise of his will, we didn't do this. He's done it. He brought us forth by the word of truth. So that, so faith comes by hearing. You hear the word of God, and it connects with you. And so he's brought us forth by the word of truth. So that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. Seven billion people on the planet. We, brethren, are the first fruits among his creatures. It doesn't say only fruits. It says first, that small spring harvest, educated in the ways of God so that we can be kings and priests to bring the rest of mankind in. And that's what we are observing on the day of Pentecost. And the fact that the early church kept this date, this feast, is indisputable. In fact, the church would not exist if they did not keep the day of Pentecost. And we see that in Acts 2. They were gathered together in one accord, observing the Feast of Pentecost when God granted the Spirit. Pastor Murray was talking to our young people, exceptional Bible study, so clear about what the covenant, the first covenant is, and how that covenant, that law, that is the basis of that covenant, was given on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit, which is the basis of the new covenant, was given on the day of Pentecost. It's a different covenant. It's not that the old covenant was bad, it's that it was broken. And let's quickly see that in Hebrews 8. Hebrews 8 and verse 6, But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. But notice this, as Pastor Murray covered this morning. For finding fault, not with the covenant, there's nothing wrong with the covenant, finding fault with them, the people. That's what broke the covenant. For finding fault with them, he said, behold, the day come when I will make a new covenant. So we are in this new covenant, and that's what we're observing in this day of Pentecost. We are celebrating that God has a new covenant with spiritual Israel. And on this day, he granted us his Holy Spirit. And we are now in the church age. On the very day of Pentecost was the birth of the church. And we are in the church age until the Feast of Trumpets, when Christ returns and the harvest is fully come and we are changed 
into a different being. Same person, same person, but no longer fleshly bodies. Spiritual bodies, ready to teach and execute God's will and his judgment and his justice. This is an amazing feast that we are counting towards. Acts 2 says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it was coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. We're counting. Week one, week two, it's coming, it's coming. When it was fully come, all the brethren were gathered together in one accord. So as we count these seven weeks to Pentecost, let's be especially mindful of the need for unity in the body of Christ. So that when the day of Pentecost fully comes, God will bless us with even more of his Holy Spirit. This podcast was brought to you by the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you enjoyed it. To find out more, visit us on the web at cgiburlington.org.